Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 112, the solitaire print-and-play design contest episode. Ah, print-and-play! Hmm, Julius must not be here today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 112, and today I have guest host, Chris Hansen. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back again. All right, and so you just finished up the print and play contest recently. How how did that go? You had fun with it? It was awesome this year. We had a lot of fun. Uh, got some very good participation, very good games, as usual. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to talk about the results today and, and go over how the contest went with you. Very cool. Okay, let's, let's uh, do some news real quick, and then let's get into that. Awesome. I do not have any news. I don't think I do either. I've been too busy. Essen, well, Essen was weeks away at this point. Um, the only news I have is with the ch- uh, solitaire contest done, we're going to start up the children's contest, um, which is fun for playing games with your kids. Uh, you know, it's not a very big place for solitaire games for obvious reasons. But um, if you, when you're not playing solitaire games, if you're like me, you're playing games with your little kids. So. Um, I think this contest is a lot of fun for, for people that have small children in their house that want to play games. The games are really, really simple and, and geared for a very young audience. So that's uh, that's the news I have. That, that's starting uh, in the next day or two here from the time we're recording it. So probably we'll be live by the time this podcast is available. Very cool. Okay. I, I think a, a lot of solitaire gamers have kids, and that's part of why they're solitaire gamers. So I think a lot of listeners will appreciate that. Yeah, that is that is one of the major reasons that I'm a solitaire gamer. I I never played solitaire games, and then uh, one of my uh, my brother in law and I played games all the time together. And then as we both got married and had kids, both of us turned into solitaire gamers instead. So <laughs> that's funny. I think that's are the way guys, things go. Okay, yeah. Are you guys in the same town? Yeah, he he lives uh I don't know about forty miles away from me, so it's a drivable distance, mm-hmm. but um. It, it's just hard to get together with all the bedtimes and um, yeah, and it's hard yep. to uh, you know tell our wives like, well, have fun putting the kids to bed. We're we're going to go play games. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work out too well. Not usually. No, you can if you help put the kids to bed, then you can go play a solitaire game. But it's <laughs> it's different. Mm-hmm. It's different uh, if you're skipping out on bedtime altogether. Yeah, especially if you got to drive forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Now, my wife is in Vegas this week. She gets back tomorrow. She's there for, for a work conference. Nice. Nice. She's close mm-hmm. to me over here then. Yeah. Yep. She's out there. You're reasonably uh, close. I'm in Salt Lake. So. Yeah. <laughs> now, my brother's also out in that area. He's in um, Colorado, and he just bought an RV. They're going to sell their house and drive around for a couple of years and live in the RV. Oh, cool. Which should be neat. Yeah. He's going to make it out here eventually. But, I mean, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it's fun to do a cross-country trip and get to see everything. That'll be awesome. Mm-hmm, definitely. All right, so so apparently we didn't have much in the way of game news, because I think that was it. It was the contest, and it wasn't even solitaire. <laughs> the Kickstarter, I do have Kickstarter information, though. Um, So, so even though Julius is not here, he did uh, point out a, a Kickstarter game to talk about, and when I was looking at that, I ended up coming across two more and, and even backed one of those. Um, but the first game we're going to talk about is called Peacekeepers. 
Um, that's an interesting looking game. It's it's sort of a war game. It's a, but it's not really about war. It's about avoiding war. Um, it's set in the future. It's about thirty years in the future in Europe, and there are mechs and stuff like that. And there's a city where there's four different factions fighting over the city. And the thing is, none of the factions has a lot of power. And if anybody starts killing too many p- civilians and that sort of thing and having collateral damage, they start start losing support. So you have to try and fight as little as you can and and still gain control of it. So I don't know how it works exactly, but it really sounded interesting. And it looks like uh, it uses 4X mechanics. So there's going to be some... Looks like you're trying to expand your your territory's control or or the territories that you control and um some of those rules that you'd see in a in a traditional 4x game but with a different rule set of, of trying to keep 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 that peace um or or back away from the war like you were saying and mm-hmm. I, i'm just going through the kickstarter page kind of learning about it as i go so Yep, and the mechs in it, it looks, they look neat. It has some miniatures, though the, the miniatures that come with the game, which it does bring miniatures, look itty-bitty. So I think you could paint them, but it seems like they might be hard to paint. I don't know if the, the other ones might be bigger. There's an expansion that has more miniatures. And now, one thing that looks interesting about the game is it seems like, and you're moving on a map of a city, and it seems that maybe every time you're going to be moving, you're going to be causing collateral damage, and so any any action you take almost is bad. So you need to act as little as possible at the same time as as doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So it seems interesting. Um, it is a game with an expansion. the The base cost of the game is fifty nine pounds, or about seventy two dollars US. And then there's a legend edition, which includes an expansion. That it, the early bird is a hundred pounds, or about one hundred twenty two dollars US, and that's still available. I'm not sure how many. Maybe another three. Um, and if you do miss the early bird, then it's 110 pounds or 134 US dollars for the the base game, plus the expansion, plus the stretch goals, plus commando stretch goals. Um, if you get the base one, it's just the base game and the base stretch goals. I really like the artwork, um, that's displayed here on, on the, looks like the player cards and the box cover. Um, it's some very creative looking mechs. This isn't like just typical mechs like you would see in, um, um, Avatar or something that these, these mechs look like, you know, they got spider legs, um, mm-hmm. and, and all kinds of variety you know, and the artwork, uh, both, both the paintings on the, on the box cover and on the minis look really, really cool. Yeah. And they look like pictures of the, of the mechs and stuff instead of art so much. Mm-hmm. Um, very well done. Yeah. I like that spider mech that, that I find that one very interesting. Yeah. It looks like very realistic artwork. Like you said, almost, almost like a, a photograph from, from what you can see here. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so that is peacekeepers. It ends on, when does it end? I can never find this on Kickstarter. It ends. And then 23 days to go from today. Uh, why did it not give me a date? How does Julius do this? It, <laughs> it ends on November 15th. It's right under the Back This Project button. You'll see the, uh, the November 15th. I don't. Oh, the, okay. The other Back This bu- bu- Project. Oh, yeah. The, uh, up at the top of the page. <laughs> okay. So this ends November 15th. 
Okay. And this has been How Kickstarter Works with Chris and Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so let's see. So the next game I want to talk about is called Starcade. This game, I'm going to say it's pretty much an insta-back. It, it's a neat game. It's sort of it's a pixelated art game. It is actually three games in one. It's a solo game, a PvP, and a co-op game. Um, the reason it's insta-back is because because it's so cheap. The The game brings five cards and six dice and a bunch of tokens. I think like two counter sheets it said. the If you get it without the dice, it's $5 with free shipping. If you get it with the dice, it's $10. Yeah, and they're just regular dice. They're just uh, they're, they're dice in in six colors. Um, so if you if you had that at home, just regular D six dice and in a couple colors, you're you're you'd be good to go on on the cheaper version. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you just want the PMP version, that's only one dollar. Yeah, if you want to make it yourself, it looks very cheap. Although it also looks like it's going to eat up a lot of your black ink on those cards because it's it's a it's a space game. It's set in space, so all of the counters and cards have spaceship with a starry background. So uh, that five dollars looks like a pretty good deal um, without the dice to, to to get that game. Mm-hmm. I suppose you could invert the colors before you printed it. I don't know how hard that would be to do. It, I guess it depends on what format you get it in. But that would help with the ink. Um, I didn't really read what the gameplay is like. Um, you know, honestly, I said, that's five bucks. I'll just back it and find out when I get it. Well, it looks like it's uh, inspired by kind of the Galaga uh, type arcade games. Um, it's Space Invaders where you've got just swarms and swarms of aliens coming. Um, mm-hmm. So the three versions reading through this, it looks like they were all designed independently uh, which I think is very cool. He he says specifically that he didn't want this to feel like one game with three variants. So they're three distinct games with their own rules, uh, but they'll reuse the same component. So that you know those five cards and counters can be used in different ways for a co-op game, a solo game, or, or you can uh, do a player versus player. Um, or, or I, I'm assuming here that like one play one player is controlling the ship and the other is the aliens, but I'm not positive on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. The art. I, I like. Oh, sorry. Go on. I was just gonna say the artwork and graphics look just like an old um, Atari game that you might find in an old arcade, you know, from the '80s. It's very reminiscent of of Galaga or Centipede, those kind of games. Very pixelated artwork, um, but but looks very cool, you know. Especially if you grew up playing those kind of games, like I did. Just seeing this game instantly is like. There's an appeal for me uh, to to see that kind of artwork. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if this hits four thousand dollars, it'll get dice upgrades to Chessex dice, twelve millimeter Chessex dice. And if it's eight thousand, then they'll go up to sixty millimeter dice. And it is, you know, it's not that far away. It's at three thousand almost right now. Yeah. So you're likely if you get the dice version, you're likely to get those nice Chessex dice. Yeah, and there's there's 19 days to go. So I think if this gets a lot of backers, I mean the only the thing that will um, inhibit it from hitting 8,000 is that that's going to have to be a lot of that's 800 people uh, joining in since it's only ten dollars or five dollars if you get the cheaper version. So um, it's going to take a lot of people to get it up to that goal. But I certainly think it's possible. Sometimes these cheap games that look really cool. Uh, for a low low price point, can make a lot of uh, a lot, lot of lot of people join in on the campaign, 
Um, I think that this reminds me a little, not thematically or, or mechanically, but um, just at the price point and, and low number of components of that Lord of the Dead game that came out a while mm-hmm. ago. And that one, if I remember right, was you know like $8 or something like that. And it had tons and tons of people join on. Like it, it actually made a lot more money than the, the guy was even expecting. But I think so many people looked at it and thought, Oh, $8. I can, I can throw that in. You know, that, that's easy to support. So, um, look, you know, that could happen here as well with this very low price point that people just think, yeah, I'll give it a try for five or 10 bucks. Yep. That's right. And this was a uh, unpub tested according to the, to the page. So apparently he had people playing it at Umpub in San Diego. So other people have tried it. Maybe maybe it's been well tested and well played. I imagine it's a fun game. Nice. But nice. you know, it's a five dollar game. So so that is what is it called again? Starcade. Um micro style uh, an arcade style micro game for one to three players. And that ends on uh November eleventh, so um coming up early next month. Okay. Should still be plenty of time from from when this episode goes live, which should be right around Halloween. Yeah, perfect. Okay. And then the third game we're talking about today is Spires, a card game for one to four players. Um, This is a neat-looking game. I have not read through the rules, so I don't know how how well designed the solitaire rules are. But the idea of this, it it seems like it's sort of a set collection, trick-taking game, where you're, you're buying cards to build towers. And the taller you make your tower, the more points you're going to get, up to the third level. Once you go past three levels, now instead of gaining points, you're going to be losing points. I don't know how that would work in the solitaire game, but imagine in the multiplayer game, you know, you've got your tower built up nicely, and now you may end up having to take cards that make it taller that you're hoping to avoid. And I imagine that's sort of where the trick-taking comes in. Like I said, I haven't read it, but, you know, it sounds interesting, and it looks really nice. Yeah, I don't know as much about this game, but it does. It, it, it has cool artwork. It looks like a nice card game. Um, I've liked other things from Nevermore Games, who, who are the publishers. So um, I think they, they tend to publish pretty good things. So um, and, and this one, it's not, not as cheap as Starcade, but Spires is available for $15 plus uh, a shipping amount. And that shipping amount varies a little bit depending on what country you're in, but it looks like it's $4 for the U- U.S., and then it'll go up a little bit for other countries. Okay, so about 20 bucks in the U.S., and there's also a deluxe version that includes a an expansion an expansion pack. Yeah, and that that's uh, $20 plus the, plus the shipping. And what else have they built or, or made? Uh, Nevermore Games... Gonna make sure I get this right. <laughs> yeah, Spires is a uh, big on here. Um, so they published uh, an old print and play game. I first found out about them when they published Utopia Engine. Um, so they they went through and upgraded the rule book and the components and uh, released it for free. So you can still download that for free. Um, oh. But then the other things they've made that I have enjoyed, um, they did the Mars Needs Mechanics game, uh, Chicken Caesar, and um, I have not played this, but I, I think it's very popular, the Dark Dealings games. Uh, they released those as well. Okay. I haven't heard of that last one, but I've heard of the other ones. 
Yeah, I, th- I think Chicken Caesar. Um, oh, that one is sold out right now. And Mars Needs Mechanics were both uh, both pretty popular. Okay. Very cool. And so this is Spires. And when does this end? This ends uh, the twenty third, or oh, I'm sorry, the fifteenth. Okay, November fifteenth. So, so a few weeks for that one too. Mm-hmm. That's about twenty five minute game. Um. Yeah, so there, there we go. I, I haven't read the rules. I will look at them later on because this does look interesting. It's I wonder if it's something my family would enjoy playing. Yeah, and this looks like their first uh, just straight card game too. So a little bit, little bit different direction. They've made kind of larger, uh, you know, box games with lots of components. This this one looks like their first just basic card game, um, which is which is cool to see. Nice. Okay. All right, very cool. So that is Kickstarter. Not not a lot today. Sorry, but Julius is not here. We got three games. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and they all look interesting to me. I'd love to back all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, the Starcade I think is a an insta back for me, but the other ones are very tempting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially Spires. The the Peacekeepers is an issue because of the price and because it's in the UK. As I don't have a credit card, it is hard for me to back stuff in the UK. Or anywhere, not in the US, actually. Yeah, although it, it l- looks like the uh, the $72, if I'm not mistaken, I think it uh, covers shipping. So you get the game and the, and the shipping is covered. Oh, really? It doesn't mention anything about needing additional shipping on here, at least. So um, Let's yeah. see. If I pretend I'm going to back it. Yeah, there is no, there is no shipping cost. Yeah, and that's not bad, really, for a game with minis, a bunch of minis, and then international shipping. That's that's not a bad price. Yeah, you're right. And how many minis does it have? It looks like a bunch. It had minis, and it looks like it has those little plastic tokens from a uh, Fantasy Flight games, those little round ones that look like mints or something. Nice, nice. Uh, five faction mats. 23 miniatures, 64 tokens, 80 cards. Yeah. That's a good deal. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff in that box. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Let's move on from Kickstarter. Um, All right, so let's talk about print and play games some more now. Yeah, um, let's talk about. Um, we have a whole flood of print and play games, solitaire print and play games, just released thanks to the contest. Mm-hmm, okay, and so now they are all out there in the wild and free to talk about them because the contest is over. Yeah, I can't influence votes anymore. I always try to be careful before the contest ends to say, oh, this is one of my favorite games, Um, because I don't want to, as the host of the contest, I don't want to influence anything. But now that it's done, we can uh, talk about some of the games, and I can talk about my favorites and give a brief review of some of them. Mm -hmm. Well, before you get into those, can you you tell us who won the different categories? 
Sure. So there were a lot of categories this year. So I don't know if we want to go through okay. all of them. Um, but with some of the big ones, um, I think uh, are, are interesting here. Um, this year we looked at new solitaire designers. I, I broke down the designer category into people who were making their first solitaire game. So maybe they've released, you know, two player games or four player games before, but this is their first solo game. Uh, best new designers in general. So they've never, never released a game before. And then we did best returning designer. So people who have entered games in the past, uh, but are now, now coming back um, to, you know, release another solitaire game so that seemed like a little bit much i'd like to try to narrow that down in future years but um we we definitely saw some some good new designers coming out of this um so we got a lot of games this year in our um, traditional card deck set so these are games like you don't even need to print anything out you just need a poker deck or a tarot deck and of those, for people who'd never designed a game before, are two winners in the best new designer category. Both designed uh, card games uh, that played with a regular deck of cards and didn't need any other components. So the Bogey, which I'll probably talk about a, a little more later, uh, the designer of that won the best new designer. And then the Fool's Journey, which uses a tarot deck, uh, the designer of that, Desmond Merez, uh won the second place for best new designer and the bogey was designed by Catherine Turner. Um, so both of these people had never designed a game before, but, you know, came in and participated in the contest and, and won, um, you know, these best new designer prizes. Um, let's see here. What, what, what are the other interesting, uh, categories this year? We, we looked at the rule book, um, and, you know, looking at the clarity of rules and the presentation, um, the graphic layout, the, the design, um, try to kind of look at the whole package. Like, you know, my, my rules might be like a word document that don't look very nice, but some people could make them look like, you know, something that was ready to be published. Um, and we had for the best rule book game called the shooting party, snooker solitaire, and then the thief in the forest of weir, which was done by Todd Sanders, who um, anyone involved in the print and play community has seen his graphic design work and and knows how how well he lays things out. So it's exciting to see such high quality coming into the contest. Um, you know, many of these games really did look like, you know, this was stuff that was ready to send to the printer and publish because the graphic design skills that people are getting are just amazing. It's really inspiring to me to see. That's neat. That's neat. That makes it intimidating for the rest of us. <laughs> they don't have skills. Yeah. I try my best to make categories like looking at the mechanics, looking at the, um, you know, the actual game rules and, and how the game plays. Um, but you, there is an advantage, uh, to having really good art in the game. Um, but one thing I'll say this year, I, I tried to provide some resources for free drawing apps, free, um, you know, or, or very cheap drawing apps or, or vector graphic apps that people could use. And there's some really good open, open source stuff that's free. And we had a couple of people in the contest who'd never drawn anything before, didn't think they could do it, who put together some really, really nice looking artwork. 
um, for their games just using these free tools. But yeah, for the uh, grand prize winner, should we take a look at at the, yeah. the games that won here? Um, so I'm going to talk about these games in particular in a little bit more detail. But for the contest, um, our top five games, uh, fifth place we had a tie. There was Infiltrate Into the Bear Cave by Jan Schroeder and Snooker Solitaire by Mark Tuck. Uh, mm-hmm. So those those games tied for fifth place. And then fourth place was The Thief in the Forest of Weir by Todd, Todd Sanders. Artisans okay. by Chris Alton. The Shooting Party by John Keane was in second place. And then our grand prize winner, first place, was The Solo System by Chad Mesta. Oh, neat. Okay. I have printed that out, but I still have yet to try it. I I have tried it. I've I've played it with uh, with a few games, and I think it's it's pretty exciting to talk about it. It's it's a very nice AI system. So we can talk about that in more detail. But um, I I thought maybe I'd give a brief review of of the top three games with probably the biggest review for the solo system. Um, so yeah, do you want to? If I go in reverse order, is that okay with you? Yeah, yep, that's fine. Perfect. Absolutely. Okay, so um, third place in the contest this year was Artisans by Chris Alton, and he is one of the guys I talked about who uh, he came into the contest asking for help on artwork. It's like I've got this game I'm working on, and I can't draw, and I, I need an artist who's willing to come in and help me. And he didn't get a lot of takers. You know, it's it's hard to find someone to come in and do work for free, I think. Um, but he uh, he decided in the end that he was going to just draw it by himself. And he came home and said that every day he came home and drew some artwork. And even if he didn't feel like it, he'd get on and, and draw this up and work on his pictures and... Um, you can definitely see a progression just in the month he, he was working on this of, you know, where he was when he was a beginner to where he was when he was finished. Um, it, it was really kind of amazing to see uh, the volume of artwork he put out. Wow. Okay. Um, but this game, Artisans, is uh, it's not just, um, you know, the artwork. It This is a, a really cool worker placement game where you are um, an apprentice back in kind of like the, the guild era of England, uh, trying to make a name for yourself and um, be able to, to create all these cool things um, so that you can be the greatest artisan in the land, basically. Um, so you start out with, with really low skill levels and... You have got to, as you work on projects, your skill will increase. Um, but what you're trying to do is uh, people will come in uh, through the game system and request certain items like a telescope or, you know, some kind of, you know, wooden work of art or something. And you have to get the materials for it Um put all the pieces together or get, assemble all of the pieces that you need to build it and then put them all together to finish the project. And as you do that, you get paid in gold so you can buy more resources. And, and um, as you finish uh, these products, you'll get more, more reputation. Um, 
So there's a lot of things to manage in the game. It's a very small footprint game. It's two boards and 18 cards. Um, and I'm not going to do it justice here at all as I'm describing it. But um, as you as you build things and build up reputation, you'll be able to roll uh, roll more dice. Um, and I'm, I'm doing a terrible job here, but the, <laughs> the dice the dice are what you um, as you have a skill. Uh, which is maybe ironwork or glasswork, you start out rolling two dice. And to build something like, let's say you're going to build the telescope, you need an iron casing for the telescope and you need a glass lens. So Mm -hmm. you you would need to build each one of those things separately. And maybe the lens uh, requires um, you to roll a four and the iron casing requires you to roll a three or something. So when you start out with a skill level of two, you roll your two dice and you have to roll whatever is required or above on both of those dice. You have to have two good results. So as you become more skilled in the game, uh, as you finish things and and become more skilled, uh, the number of dice that you roll will increase. So pretty soon you'll be able to roll three dice or four dice, and you still only have to have two successes. So you you will actually be able to, uh, um, you know, Mm -hmm. it it gets a lot more likely that you're going to hit your results. Um, So you build these things, and um, uh, you'll get paid for them. And basically you're trying to build as many as you can throughout the game. there will be times where you roll the dice and you don't get a good successful um, result. Um, and you, you, you only have three days or three turns essentially to complete these projects. Um, and once three of them have not been completed, then the game ends. So you're trying to complete as many as you can before that happens. Okay. When you said three days, that basically mean you get three tries. Uh, well, you you get each day. You get um, I think it's four actions. So you could attempt to build it multiple times. If you if you failed, uh, you could try it again. But then, if you use up your four actions, then the next day starts, and you have four actions then again. So um, essentially, you have you have many turns that you can try, but you also need to use your actions to get. Um, materials, uh, the, mm. the iron that you need or the sand that you need to make glass. Um, and you need to be developing your skills in, in, in these areas so that you can roll more dice. So you can't use all your actions over and over and over again, or you're going to run out of money and you won't, you won't, uh, you won't be developing your skills. So it's, it's a very balanced game where you're trying to control, you know, all these moving pieces. Um, to build as much as you can. Um, there's also an advanced game where there's kind of an AI opponent who is um, naturally talented. So he has a lot of skills already and doesn't um, you know, need to worry about increasing them. But it, it, the way the game describes it is he's very lazy. So <laughs> y- you're very diligent, but you need to work on increasing your skills because uh, you don't have that natural born talent that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, that's funny so it, it, it's a fun balance of how they've worked that out or, or how Chris has worked that out okay that sounds really cool yeah and like I say it's super easy to build um, there's 18 cards in the game and you need several cubes and um, 
and some dice, obviously. Um, but that, you know, it's very easy to put together. So there's 12 things that can be built. Um, so th- you'll, you'll get up to 12 requests. And then there's a, there's the six action cards. And your action card would be like working with iron, getting a resource, signing a contract to build something. Uh, so you use those cards to choose what four actions you're going to do. And you can, you can do the same action more than once in a turn. Okay. And you said he did all the art himself, and it's really nice art. He did, yeah. Um, I, I think it was all drawn on a graphic tablet on the computer. Um, he put it all together himself. I was, you know, watching this game developed, I was really impressed, especially knowing that he came into the contest basically saying, I, I don't know how to draw. Can somebody help me? And then he turns around and produces this. I'm like, people should be asking you for help, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. It's It's great. I really like the style of the art. Yeah, he did a good job here. Mm-hmm. Um, so game number two, the second place winner, is called The Shooting Party by John Keane. Um, if the last game was easy to build, this one is no build required at all. This is actually just a card game uh, played with a regular deck of cards. Um, Ooh, okay. And he has also designed two thematic decks um one is like a uh, edwardian theme and then the other one i think is a, a jane austen theme like a pride and prejudice kind of artwork okay and i don't know i don't know if he used a like public domain art uh, that was available for jane austen stuff or if he drew things himself i'm, I'm not sure i'll have to check on that um but it doesn't. It doesn't change the game anyway. They're they're just cool cards that have artwork that goes with the theme well, but isn't necessarily like you know doesn't require to play because you could just play it with a regular poker deck of cards. Okay. So in the shooting party, I love this theme. You are basically like the town vagabond, <laughs> and you have snuck your way into this fancy party, and. All of the husbands, all, all of the, the lords and nobles or whoever is there, are going out hunting pheasants. And their wives and, and other people are milling about the house, um, talking and, and just fraternizing and, and socializing. You have snuck your way into the shooting party. And while all of the husbands are away shooting... You are trying to seduce their wives and steal their jewels. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's funny. You you read the name of the game and you think that you're going to go out on a pheasant hunt, but no, you're 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 staying behind and and stealing the jewels and uh, stealing the wives. <laughs> um, That's neat. So and obviously, it, it, with just the regular deck of cards, the kings are are the the husbands and the queens are the wives. Um. And then the other cards are people just milling about the party. And, and you get rid of a lot of cards. You only use, like, the ace through the six and then the jack, queen, king. So it's a small deck of cards, um, and that's for each suit. So, so it's about half the cards? Yeah, probably a little more than, a little, little more than half, I think. Okay. Um, so what's um, the way this game works is the aces are the jewels, and queens are the wives. 
Um, so basically you just play through. There's not really turns per se. You're just constantly drawing cards and, and discarding cards. Um, but what you're trying to do is get the queen alone in your hand. So you want to discard all of the cards but the queen. And if you can do that, so you're alone with the queen, you have um, successfully seduced her. And um, if her ace is available, that means you've stolen her jewels as well. So when you're dealing cards into your hand, if you if you ever draw an ace, it just gets put into the kind of this pool Mm-hmm. And if you are able to seduce the queen of the same suit and that ace is available, you have uh, captured her jewels. If you capture the queen without the ace, then the, you know you don't you don't get the jewels. You, you have to get the queen and the jewels together. Um, but you, you can get the queen by herself, but not the jewels by themselves. I see. So, so if you capture the queen and the jewels are not available, then you just lucked out and you aren't going to get those jewels ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And it, you know it's probably worth it if you can get a queen by herself. It's worth it to to get the point. Um, but the best score, you know, the best possible score would be all of the queens and all of the jewels. But that's hard to hard to do. I haven't I have not done that yet. Um, so mechanically, the way the game works um, is. You, do, you start with a hand of four cards, and like I say, any aces just get put into this available pool. Um, and in your four your your cards, uh, there, there's just some basic rules that are always followed. Like if the queen and the king of the same suit are together, they immediately like leave together. Like you know, I think thematically, the husband sees you, and he's like, "Okay, time to go, honey." <laughs> <You know? laughs> Um, but then the other cards, you want to get rid of them, obviously, so you can get rid of the queen. So they're discarded in pairs. So you have um, anything of the same suit. Like if you had a three and a five of the same suit, they get discarded. If you have a five and a five of two different suits, they can get discarded together. So you kind of choose how you're going to discard your cards and what suits you want to keep. Um, you know, to try to get rid of any kings that might come up so that you can discard them without, um, you know, risking losing the queen. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the challenge in this game is that you start with four cards and you only discard things in pairs. So how do you get the queen by herself? And you, I don't want to spoil, you know, the, the puzzle here, but, um, there, there are a few few cards like the the. There's one Joker that you keep in the deck, and the Joker is playing the role of a butler, and the the Joker can be discarded by itself, or it can be used to um, pull out a card from the discard pile and add it back to your deck, so you could get rid of, you know, essentially mm-hmm. one card. Um, and then if you ever have two queens in your hand at the same time, one of them will immediately leave. And goes into the discard pile, um, but you then you're then you've got an odd number of cards in your hand. So there's these little tricks you have to do and get the timing very very good to be able to capture all four queens. Um, so you basically you have three turns through the deck, and if you can um, if you can capture the four queens by the end of that third hand, you win, and otherwise you 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 don't. So. Um, 
it's it's pretty simple rules, but it, it's fun and it's very very clever and it's challenging to get those situations just right where you get down to an odd number of cards in your hand. Um, but I, I I like this one. It, it's really really clever. Mm-hmm. It sounds really neat. It does sound fun. And you know it's like five or ten minutes to play, and you already have all the components for it, so it's definitely worth checking out. Okay. Maybe I will. Yeah, you're right. I do have the components. <laughs> yeah. I have a few decks of cards somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would actually like to print out one of the nice decks because the artwork in them is really, really nice, but I just have played with my you know, my regular decks of cards that I have at home, and you know, it's still very fun to, to pull out quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you could go out and buy a, a theme deck real easily, too, these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, if you wanted to not print his special deck of cards, I'm sure there's other Jane Austen decks and things like that. I actually played with my daughter's, um, she has a Disney Cinderella deck of cards. Was that your picture on BGG? Yeah, I, I put up a picture of it today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but thematically, it actually worked okay. I, I had uh, the aces are her glass slipper. And so I was like, I'm stealing her her uh, jeweled shoes or something. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, it does work out really well, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. What's the the, the last one? The, the grand prize winner. Um, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk about that. And then maybe one or two of the other games that I enjoyed. Um, that didn't win win one of these top three prizes, but I think are worth mentioning. But let's jump into the solo system, and we can talk about this in a little more detail because I think it's this this one could be really interesting to people. So the solo system uh, is not a game per se; it's not a standalone game. It is an AI deck of cards that can be used with many other um, multiplayer games to simulate uh, an opponent. So you'll, you'll use this deck of cards to figure out how the opponent will make moves, how the opponent will, will um, what personality the opponent will have, what, what kind of strategy the opponent will have. It's, it's a really interesting um, group of cards um, and I've tried it with a few games, um, and it, it works really well. So it's, it's very different than playing like two sides of the game yourself, which I do quite a bit. If I'm playing a, a two player war game, I'll, I'll just, I'll play one side and then I'll play the other and I'll try to make decisions as best as I can, but it still is just me playing against myself. And, and this deck of cards simulates an opponent that is going to be thinking a little differently than, than you would. Um, and can help you see some new strategies in games and do things that you probably wouldn't have thought of, um, which is which hmm. I think is very cool. That's neat. Now, does it work with any multiplayer game? No, it does not. Um, and like my first thought is, like I, I had Stratego set up because my 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 daughter and I had been playing Stratego, and I thought oh, I'll give this a try with Stratego, and then I realize. Oh, I can't see any of my opponent's pieces if I if I go around to the other side of the board. That would, you know, defeat the whole purpose of not knowing where the bombs were and things like that. So, it works best for sure with games where you have all of the information available. So, 
Uh, I've played it with For the Win and Hive, and you know, and these are games where there's no hidden information. Um, a war game where there's not um, masked counters, like something like Victory Lost, would work very well. Um, okay, but in anything where there's hidden information, so a block game, Hammer of the Scots, would not work. Um, even something like Ticket to Ride would not work because everybody's got a hand of cards. Well, it it does have essentially you you would see the hand of cards. So it, I think Ticket to Ride could work. You would have the hand of cards available to you t- to see, but you'd use this AI deck to make decisions based on it. So I guess the the negative side of there could be you know if you saw your AI opponent had four purple cards, you'd be like, oh, I'm building on that track. There's not purple. Mm-hmm. There's not purple in Ticket to Ride, but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, okay. it, it, but it, it does. It does a. Uh, if you could see the person's cards, it kind of reduces the strategy some, because you, the information that should be hidden is available. To but s- it's still pretty doable to some degree. And I mean, and this this deck of cards is general. Um, it isn't built to any specific game. Like I, I mentioned, playing it with For the Win. And so, you know, there's, there's not going to be a card that says play the zombie piece, you know, cause it's, it's not, <laughs> wow. it's not specific to that level at That's all. That's a big deck if there is that kind of stuff in there. <laughs> no. but, but what it will say is play aggressively. And it's up to you to decide what that means with the game you're playing. But in For the Win, there's definitely safe moves and then there's moves that, could be like you know is going to hurt your opponent but also puts you at risk so if i draw that card that says play aggressively i probably would not make a safe move like you 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 still have to decide how that card gets enforced in the game Mm -hmm. or applied to the game um but it's um it does make you think in ways that are you know not 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 what you would typically do is uh you know if you draw one of these cards that um, you know, says do this. Um, maybe that's not the strategy you would employ, but it, it gives you a new way of thinking about it. The other thing that is really cool with this game is there's basically a deck of yes or no cards, mm-hmm. and this car- these cards went. So, so let's say I'm playing my game and I draw a play aggressively card. Um, I, I look at it and say, okay, my thought is that I should move this piece over, you know, and attack me directly. Um, that is how I would apply aggressively. And then I, I basically say, is this what the opponent would do? And I flip over a yes or no card and it's kind of weighted, um, I think a little more heavily to the yeses, but uh, you do get occasionally a no, which basically means mm-hmm. you have to make another decision and ask that deck of cards again. That that way, even if you're if you're used to th- thinking against yourself a certain way, every once in a while you can still surprise yourself and mm-hmm. do something you didn't expect. Yeah, I like that. Now this isn't really it's a kit, isn't it? Because you don't always there's multiple decks in this, so you don't always use all of them, right? Yeah, and there's there's going to be decks that you don't need that you don't touch. Um, there's, there's decks that are specific maybe to like a hex movement game. Um, 
there's personality decks that maybe don't apply. Um, sometimes you might draw a card that says like, you're going to play as a builder and that might apply in one game and not apply in another. So there are going to be times where you draw the builder card when you're playing hive and you're like, okay, I'm just going to draw the next, next card. And, um, then you get like a copycat, which is basically he's this AI is going to copy what you do. Um, which is very applicable to hive. So, um, there, there's definitely things that aren't going to apply to all games. There, there's four different decks in this game. There's okay. a, a tactics deck, a strategy deck, a probability deck. That's the yes or no deck. And then a personality deck. And you, you cater what decks you want to play with based on what game you're playing with. So it's, it's very, very customizable. But if you, if you read the rules, like the rules are never going to say, for this game, use decks one, two, and three. For this game, use decks two and four. It, it's it's really up to you to figure out how to apply these. Um, but it's a, it's a very cool system. And once you've used it a time or two, I don't think anyone would have trouble saying, you know what, I don't need the tactics deck, which is about movement, if I'm playing a game that doesn't have uh, movement. You know, um, it, mm-hmm. it, it gets very easy to use. So. Are there going to be scenarios where you could say, you know, I think I feel like using this deck this time, but the next time I play, I, I end up not using the same deck and just, just sort of change the flavor of it? Like some of the decks are optional with a specific game? Yeah, I mean, I think the probability deck where you're asking your yes-no questions, those are always going to be used. Um, but some of the other decks, like your, your strategy deck, that gives you um, kind of a long-term... Um, goals for the beginning of the game, the middle of the game, and the end of the game. It's kind of what your opponent is going to try to do during each of those phases. I think, you know, maybe it would be really fun to try that one time, and then the next time you think, no, I just want to see the personality deck. I mean, none of these things are absolutely required. They just add flavor, they add variability, and they can make the gameplay very differently. You know, you, you could play something like like hive over and over again and have very different opponents with this deck each time, or you could switch up and use a different deck and and do it totally differently. It's really up to you. And there's not a wrong way to do it. Mm -hmm. I I could see that it doesn't, it's not really hard and fast rules. It's sort of, you know, here are some things to give you an opponent and use it creatively. Mm -hmm. It's not like the, um, like the AIs that come with the coin series that are very specific. No, and it's totally not meant to be. Um, this is meant to be open and available to use in all kinds of different games. Okay. I, I think Chad said that he was inspired in part by the Mythic RPG system. Yeah, I think that's right. And mm-hmm. he, he did mention, like it, you mentioned, the, the, the coin system. This deck is not meant to replace games that already come with a solitaire deck. So if you had a viticulture, which has a very good solitaire AI, I don't, I don't think you would need this. I like, I don't know why you'd want to use this deck over the one that comes with the game, but this is very nice. If you have, like I do many multiplayer games sitting on your shelf, gathering dust, this 
the solo system gives you an opportunity to play many of those games and get them off the shelf and and even teach yourself some new strategies and stuff. I mean, you, just because you see things that you probably haven't thought of. Okay, yeah. Now, the, the, the imagine with a game like uh, Viticulture, and you could choose to play with this instead of the uh, the Automa because it's um it's going to have a different feel to it. But th- this one, I, I think I mentioned it has four separate decks, tactic, strategy, probability, and personality. But even with all those decks, the entire game is only seven sheets of cards to print. Um, which, okay, which, how many cards is it? Um, Do you know? Often? That is, so six is 54, so this would be 63 cards in the game. Okay. Um and there is a low ink version and a, a high ink version. So the, the high ink version looks very nice. It has great artwork. The low ink version, I don't think it has any artwork at all. It's just the text. But it's certainly playable. So you know, if you wanted to make this and, and just have it be um, a simple a simple you know, couple decks to help you make decisions, you don't need to print the full ink version. You can print the, the very simple low ink version. But the, the high ink version definitely looks very nice. And I suppose you could, instead of printing out, you know, use dice and play with cards as a chart. Yeah, if you if you wanted to use the, the PDF, I, I imagine that would work as well. Although it is um, fun to see, like, what new personalities come up as you play through the game. You'll flip over a new personality and it might go from, um, you know, aggressive to very, very uh, careful. Uh, so it's it's fun to see those changes and be surprised as you flip over cards. But yeah, you could get the same effect just by rolling dice and using that to pick a card off of the PDF. Mm-hmm. Do you does the personality change every every round, or is it the sort of thing where you change it once in a while? Or I guess it might be up to you. Yeah, I think it is uh, up to you. Um, I, I forget what the rule book says specifically about it, but you can just. Um, make decisions as you need to as you play uh just like you know any of the other decks i mean there are times even with the probability deck where you're asking a yes no question um the the rule book gives us an example if if the move you're making is obvious like you know there's no way they're not doing this you don't necessarily even need to ask the yes or no question Mm -hmm. um yeah you probably shouldn't ask it at that point yeah um so there, there's times where you know you won't use one deck and you'll use another one more than normal um but that's just it's very very customizable and it's up to you but once you become familiar with the decks which happens very very quickly those decisions become easier so you know it's it's not going to be as good as having an actual opponent sitting across from you but i, I mm. it's it's better than just playing both sides by yourself and making the decisions out of your own head. I mean, it, it adds a little more variety. Okay. And, and once you've gotten used to it, it doesn't add any more time than just playing both sides. No, I, I think if I have anything negative to say about the game, and, and this is a small negative, but it is going to slow you down a little bit. Because you, mm-hmm. you draw the personality card and you try to think, okay, how would a builder make this make this turn 
And then once you've made that decision, then you go to the probability deck and ask yes or no. And if you get a no, then you've got to draw, you know, make another decision and draw the card again. So it, it is going to slow you down a little bit. Um, but I, I think it, it slows you down in a fun way, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That does, it does, it sounds really neat. You know, it sounds like it's fun just to try with different games, just to see how the different decks work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and be able to use different decks in different ways. So mm-hmm. now, yeah, it's kind of silly, but I think if I, I were using this and playing games, I'd feel bad because I wouldn't be logging plays under the solo system. I'd be logging them under the other game. Yeah, I, I I think that's what I have done as well on Board Game Geek when I've played a, a played a game. I, I haven't logged anything under Solo System. <laughs> yeah, I've used it a few times, but it looks like I've never played it because I, I I mark it down as the game that I played on. Hmm. Yeah, and that's what I would end up doing too. I think. I wonder if you could use it for a role playing game. You know, I mean, it, it was inspired by Mythic, which is for role playing games. Can you all turn around and use it to, to control player characters or even a DM or something? That'd be an interesting idea. Yeah, possibly. I'm, I don't play a lot of role-playing games, so I hadn't thought about that. But um, you'd, you'd probably have to use the cards in some creative ways. But I think it could uh, could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so this is the, the winner for the year. Did Chad won another year, didn't he? Or he did well if he didn't win? No, I think this is his first time winning the contest. Um, and what I love about Chad, like from the very early years, maybe even the first year of the contest, he's been making uh, digital digital games of the entries. So if people don't want to print and play the games, they can download um, digital versions. Uh, originally, he was doing them on Vassal, um, mm-hmm. which, as I understand it, is kind of a hassle to set up a game. Um, now he uses Tabletop Simulator, which unfortunately is not free. Vassal was free. But for people who own Tabletop Simulator, uh, he creates mods within within that program. And he's made a mod for uh, for this game, which you can use with other games. So if you have the mod for... Um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a, a good two-player game, like a Command and Colors or something. You can actually import this one into an existing game and use the deck all within Tabletop Simulator. So you can be playing another game and in Tabletop Simulator and have this deck also in Tabletop Simulator, um, which is which is really cool. He's, he's very, very sharp with how to put these things together. Like, I don't know how to do any of that, so... <laughs> um, he's created mods in Tabletop Simulator for a, a good chunk of the games, probably at least 20, I'd say, uh, from this year's contest entries, and then, wow. and then added in uh, this one as well. So he's been a huge help to the contest. That's neat. Yeah, I know he's been doing that for years. That's really neat. Uh, you know, I, uh, I actually bought Tabletop Simulator yesterday. I found it was on sale, half off. Yeah, I... It was it went on sale for half off during the contest this year, mm. and so we we uh, we posted it in the contest thread, and I think several people bought it uh, during that time when it was half off because you could play all these games uh, from the contest without having to print them. Neat. Now, if you now if you got Tabletop Simulator and you want to play the games from the contest, do you, where do you go find the files? Is it in like BGG or something like that? 
So he had, mm-hmm. he maintains a list of of the games he's done on each um, on each game thread. So if you go to the entry thread, uh, you'll see if there's a link to the tabletop simulator version. And now that you mentioned that, I should probably go through the threads and make a list of here's all the the digital versions of the games because there there isn't a single place to go and see. Uh, you know, here's everything because uh, he, he probably made ninety percent of them, but then you know a few of the other designers made their own. Um, there's some on Tabletop Simulator that were made by other people, and then I think somebody made one on Tabletopia, if I'm remembering right. So th- there are a few a few options out there for uh, playing digitally. And generally, I prefer to print and play and have a physical set, but there are people who, um, you know, if you don't want to do the print and play and you want to try some of these games, uh, you know, that's a very nice way to do it. Mm-hmm. That is neat. I, I have to try it. I haven't, haven't played anything yet. And there's, there's a lot of games this year uh, that have very, very light printing requirements like just one sheet and then some dice or something or or several cards that just use or several games that just use a deck of cards um some really really excellent traditional card games uh came out of the contest this year Mm, okay did you did you have a dice category or is it just like a traditional game category um so the traditional deck category um is good for you know any existing deck of of cards like a, a poker deck, a uh, a tarot deck, or we also use the deck tet, and I, I set that up with the permission of uh, the designer of the deck tet. So um, I don't think we got any deck tet games this year, but we uh, always get a few. Uh, or in every other year, we've gotten one or two new deck tet deck tet games created. Um, within the contest. Mm, okay. Do you have to get permission for, for that, for the deck tet? Is It's not open source? No, it, it, it's open source, but I just thought it would be polite to uh, mm. to talk okay. to him about it. And, and he was just like, yeah, totally, it's open source, dude. Do what you want. So. <laughs> yeah, why are you telling me? You know, I've wanted to talk about the deck tet at some point because I have one and I've got a book, but I haven't played it yet. There's a lot of good solitaire games available on the deck tet, and it's because that deck is so different from a traditional deck, you get some very, very creative, unique games that you couldn't you couldn't replicate those with a uh, with a regular deck. Mm-hmm. That is a real, really interesting. And there's a geek list for deck tet solitaire card games. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that probably my guess would be it doesn't even include them all because there's there's so many that just exist within that deck tet rule book he maintains on his website that don't have bgg entries so um it so you might have to do a little bit of digging but there's there's definitely some cool stuff out there okay yeah this list only has well it has 20 games which isn't bad at all yeah and I've, I've probably only tried like five or six of them okay yeah i need to get to this too someday <laughs> so many so many games to try yeah, but so that's uh that's solo system anyway is uh that, that was the winner of the contest and um e- easy easy to print easy to get into and uh very 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 handy to have for uh 
people that have multiplayer games that are sitting around gathering dust. Mm-hmm. So that is really neat, and congratulations to Chad. I'm excited to see that this did so well. Yeah, I I was a little surprised when I saw the results at first, um, just because I like I thought it was a very very cool idea. I thought it was um, you know a, a very unique thing to have and a, and a unique idea, but it's not a standalone game, and I mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought of it uh, when I was thinking of you know what are the best games from the contest. I, I hadn't really looked at that one. Like I'd, I'd played it and enjoyed it, but I hadn't really thought of it as like, oh, this is the best game from the contest. But I think people saw a lot of value in it. Like this allows you to play so many games and it's such a creative deck. Uh, I think it was a very well-deserved win. It was just one that surprised me at first just because I, um, I hadn't been focusing on it in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does, and it looks really nice. You mentioned that before, but it's worth saying again. Mm-hmm. The art is really good. Um, so if if you're averse, to, sorry, to, sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. I'm going to turn my volume off. <laughs> I should do that because at some point my wife will call me. So she's she is coming home from Las Vegas. She's got a red eye flight tonight. Um. If it's okay, if there's if we have time, I'd like to just bring up one or two other games that didn't finish in the top ten, but um, or some of the ones I really really enjoyed that I can talk about quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Before we do that, um, if you're a person that doesn't really want to do print and play, but you want the solo system, is there some place you could get it? Like, is it available at uh, Drive Through Cards? Any of these? Not that I know of. Um, I I think his focus has been on. Um, getting that digital version made. And the thing that would be hard with drive through cards is I think they like their decks to be 54 cards, you know, which is a standard, like a poker deck size of, uh, of deck of cards. And this is 63 cards, mm-hmm. uh, which wouldn't be impossible, but I, I don't know of anywhere that has printed it yet, but that's, I think that would be a smart thing to do. Um, you know, maybe put it up on printer studio or drive through cards or something like that, or even have a Kickstarter campaign for it. Cause I think there could be a lot of, um, a lot of market for this, um, for people that want to play their games, uh, without having an opponent around. Yeah, absolutely. You could even go through the game crafter. I know they'll do like odd sized decks. Yeah. They have no problem with it. Yeah. So I, I don't know of any right now, but I certainly think it would be smart to do cause, um, and this this could be very very popular with people, and but it is easy to to cut up those cards. I mean, if if you weren't super familiar mm-hmm. with print and play, there's no weird shapes. It's just seven sheets of cards with, and there's three cards on each, or I'm sorry, nine cards on each page in rows of three. So you just you know cut them up with scissors or, or with a paper cutter, and um, you're, you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, you could do it while sitting there listening to the TV or, you know, at the dinner table or whatever. There's, it's not hard. And there's backs to the cards, but they're they're optional. I mean, as long as you kept your personality cards and your probability cards and, you know, the others, if, if you kept them in separate piles or if you sleeved them with, with uh, you know, bicycle cards or something that had different backs, you could... Uh, you could even do that without printing the backs, um, just as long as you were, you were able to keep track of which one was personality and which one was uh, strategy and tactics or whatever. Mm-hmm. What did I do? Let's 
And I've got mine in a plastic tuck box. Oh, I used... <laughs> you know, I used different card sleeves that I already had with different backs. So I can't tell what they are by looking at the back, but they're at least different. Oh, yeah. That, that, okay. <laughs> I, I think that's a really smart idea. Yeah, a couple thrifted uh, magic uh, sleeves that I found at some point. <laughs> nice. Did you oh, did you right. print the full color or the the low art? Yes, I did print the full color. Nice, but I did not print it at home. And then I think I put the the cards in with magic cards or something like that. Yeah, the, and the full color one that is going to be um, that that's a lot of ink, so you might want to print that at, at Staples or or something, just so you don't use up all the ink in your home printer. Mm-hmm. Now, did the cards change at some point? Um, I seem to think that after I printed them, they may have been, been altered some, but I don't know. Um, Do you know if, if when he started publishing them, they were pretty set? I don't recall seeing any changes after the contest ended, but I know there were some changes made during the contest, so he, um, I think he changed the probabilities around a little bit and... and uh, Maybe made some changes, but you know the cards are basically you know just like move to the left or have a personality of this or that. So there's not going to be tons and tons of differences, I don't think. Okay, that makes sense. Neat. Okay. Um, and there's other games you'd like to talk about? Yeah. So these are just a few of my my favorite games that didn't uh, didn't get uh, um, one of the top prizes, but are really excellent games. Uh, first one I want to talk about is The Bogey by Catherine Turner. Uh, this actually came in eighth overall in the contest. And this is another game that is just a deck of cards. So there's no components at all that are needed. You just use a regular deck of poker cards. And in this game, uh, you're just trying to lay out the cards in in a, a tableau of eight eight to 12 rows. If you can do it in eight rows, you score a lot of points. If you can do it in 12 rows, that's, you know, you don't score as many points, but you still win. And then if you take more than 12 rows, then, then you have, or 12 columns, then you have lost. So basically you're just putting the cards, you know, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, now building them up. Or no, I think actually you're building down King, Queen, Jack, 10, sorry, get it backwards there. Um, but when you play, you, you you have your hand of five cards, and you can just play cards onto the tableau. And you don't want to have huge gaps between the cards. So, for example, you wouldn't want to play a king and then put a five on it, because then you can't play anything in between those. The next card you'd have to play would be a four or below. So you'd need another column to do your queen through the six. So you want to... Um, keep things as tight as you can. And with the eight columns, that basically limits you to two, two columns per suit. So that's really, really tight. I don't think I've ever done it. And I've played this game a couple times. Um, I'm usually like in the 10, 10 columns or 11 columns. Um, if I win at all. <laughs> <laughs> so with this game, you, you can play as many cards as you want, and then once you're done with your turn, like once you can't place a card, uh, you can discard into um, you know in, into your discard pile, and then one, once you're out of cards, you'll shuffle that discard pile and start over again. 
which is fine. Um, but every time you do that, when you place a card into the discard pile, the bogey, which is your opponent, just draws a card off the top of the deck and places it. And you get to choose where to place it. So if you're lucky, like if you have a 10 in your, in your columns and you draw the 9, you can stick it on top of the 10. And, you know, that's that, 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 then you're very lucky. <laughs> but what happens sometimes is you, you're, you've got like, you know, your tens out and then you draw a two and you either have to start a new column or you have to place that two on a 10. And then you've got this huge gap that you have to start another column uh, to fill in. So it's really, really simple rules. I mean, there's, there's not a lot to this game, but that mechanic of having, you know, this, this card just get drawn and you have to place it. You don't have a choice. Um, really, really makes you think carefully about when do I want to end my turn? When do I want to do this discard? Cause I don't want to draw a card and have it be terrible for me. Um, it's, it's really, really clever and super easy to play. And, and again, it's one that you've got all the components to already. You just jump right into it. So it's, it's super cool. I like that one a lot. Hmm, okay. That's neat. Um, next, there's uh, two games by Scott Allen, and I'll, I'll just talk about them briefly. Um, I, I liked both of his games. Uh, one is called Feathers and Wax, which is the tale of um, the dude who has to escape from the Isle of Crete who builds the labyrinth. What is his name? Uh, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about, Albert? Where oh, um, he builds his he, he builds a set of wings out of feathers and wax, and but his son yeah, flies yeah. too close to the sun, and the wax melts. Maybe. Daedalus and Icarus. Ah, yeah. And apologies if I'm pronouncing that terribly, um, but you're playing as them, and the game plays in two phases. So. In the first phase, you are in the labyrinth and you have to explore it um, and get get the wax and the feathers. And the movement is just done through a deck of cards. So um, you print up the board and you need a few cues. But other than that, the only components that you need is a deck of playing cards. So again, we had a lot of really high quality games that, that are based off playing cards. Uh, so in that in the first phase of the game, you're going through and moving through the labyrinth and looking for um, feathers and and beeswax. So you've got to collect enough of it um, to make to make sets of wings for both you and your son. And you have to get out before the uh, the the minotaur catches you. And then um, then you flip the board over onto the other side, and you've got. Uh, the sky leading from the island to the mainland. And you, again, you're, you're playing the cards uh, to move once again. Um, and they'll make you move forward or fly up or f fly down. Um, but your son goes kind of crazy. Like when you fly up one space, he'll fly up two, I think. Um, so you have to be really careful balancing out your movements because the sun, your, your son is kind of controlled. Um, you can control the son individually, but he also gets makes moves based on what the father does. So you want to keep both of the, your characters from getting too high where the wax will melt and then their wings fall off and they die. Or if they get too low, 
um, they'll hit the water and the wings get too heavy and they drown. So it's it's based on that myth, and it, you know this is a simple game that plays pretty quickly, um, where you're just trying to use uh, the cards from your hand to control that movement. But I really like the theme on this. I really like the artwork. Um, very simple game, but but very very cool. Um, I think that's that's a second uh, game on ancient myths, isn't in the contest. Um. I'm not sure. I, I don't remember another one on on the Greek games, at least. Um, Wasn't it uh, fill your name here in the Argonauts? Was oh, the oh yeah, yeah. From but that that was from a few years ago. I, I thought you were talking about this year. Oh but yeah, there, no, no. In general, there was a your your name here and the Argonauts, which was kind of a, a game based on Jason and the Golden Fleece. Mm-hmm. Oh, so let's see. The other game by Scott Allen was Mech Capture. Um, and this one is a, another Mech Warrior game. In this one, you are trying to capture all of your opponent mechs. So you represent like this fledgling rebellion army that only has one mech left. And you're taking on an army that has tons of mechs and you're trying to invade their base. So, um, Basically, you're taking on their mechs three at a time, and you've got um, a deck of cards that have little symbols on them, and you're trying to match the symbols of your your firepower and your attack value against the symbols on their defense value. So it's a pretty simple card game to play, but you're just working your way through, and if you can match the symbols exactly, then you knock the mech out, but you haven't destroyed it. So you get to capture it and add it to your army, essentially. Um, if you can't match the symbols exactly, like if you overshoot, then you destroy the mech, and that helps you to capture the opponent's base, but you don't get any points at the end of the game for capturing the, the mech suit of armor. So um, it's a it's a small game. I think there's 36 cards in the deck, if I remember correctly, but um, it's been upgraded recently with some really nice art uh, that looks really, really good. So... Um, definitely a, um, very fun, fun, creative and, you know, plays in 10 or 15 minutes and there's no components. There's no dice. There's, there's no cubes or anything. It's just that deck of 36 cards. Uh, so it's, it's really easy to, to put together, um, as a print and play game and get playing. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Uh, the final game, and, and this is hard, by the way, I, I had to think, you know, what, what are my favorite games from the contest? And there's tons of games that I could talk about that I really, really liked. Um, and then a ton that I haven't even gotten to yet. Um, there, there's several that look really, really cool. Um, like the, uh, the night, it's not nightmare invaders. It's, uh, there's one where you're a little kid fighting off monsters coming out of your closet. It's called Night Terrors, The Sum of All Fears by Adam Thrasher. You're like this little kid with slingshots and water guns and monsters are coming at you out of your closet. And you have to beat them all so that you can sleep through the night. Um, I've printed it, but I haven't got it played yet. But it, it, it just looks like such a cute theme. I like it. But... Um, but the last game I'll talk about for today is Photon Galactic Traders. Um, and this is by Chris Alton, who actually, uh, he also designed um, Artisans. 
And this is the game where he came in like, I've got the basic mechanics down and I've done some little doodles, but I need an artist for this. And then ended up doing all the art himself. So if, mm-hmm. if you look at the pictures on this, like it's just really, really nice, uh, you know, art. He, you can tell he, he, he's developed his skills very well. Like I, I was really, really impressed with it. Um, and this is probably like one of my favorite games out of the contest this year. Um, and I think this is a bigger one. Like a lot of these other print and play games we've talked about today, they've been pretty easy to make or they, you know, they haven't even needed any components at all. Uh, just a deck of cards. And this one is, it's a larger game. You know, you, you've got a board that takes up four sheets of letter paper. So you've got to tape, tape them together. There's large deck of cards. There's counters. Um, there's just a, a lot of stuff that, that goes into this game. Um, but hmm. so it's a, it, it's a little harder to make, you know, it's, it's not impossible. If you, if you've done other print and play games, this really isn't going to be too big of a deal, but if you're new to print and play, I can see how this would be a little daunting. And so I think it didn't get quite as much attention in the contest, uh, just because it, it's a hefty, heftier game than, than many of the others. Um, but in this game, you are controlling a cargo spaceship and you have to fly from one planet to another to deliver your, your load of cargo. And the only way to get there is through this pirate infested space, essentially. So when you like, basically every time you move uh, and there's a, a board that has, you know, the little path that you can follow to get from one planet to the other. Um, mm-hmm. you'll get assaulted by pirates just about every turn. And uh, you have to survive their assault. You have to defend yourself. You have to maintain your ship, repair any damage that they do, and uh, also protect your cargo. I mean, this is a, a a big game, not just in terms of components, but in terms of like all the moving pieces on the ship. You are controlling... Um, the power generators that control the shields and you can divert power around and turn things off. Uh, if, if like one of your generators goes off, you can be like, okay, I've got a bunch of pirates on my left side. So I'm going to take the power from the right shields and put it onto the left shields. Um, I'm going to focus on flying really fast to get away from the pirates. Um, there's so much information on the board this is definitely a little bit more on the brain burner side. Um, and also it's very customizable. Um, there's, I think there's four or five crew positions for like navigator, um, weapons, um, engineering. So, you know, doing repairs. So there's all these different crew positions and you can pick what crew you're going to have before you start the game. And you can do androids that, will always do their work consistently, or you can do people and they might do the work better than androids, but they also get prone to stress. So like if your ship gets shot and the engineer has to go repair a bunch of stuff, um, you know, if, if too much stuff happens, that engineer, the card will flip over to its stress side and then he's not able to do his work as well because he's too overwhelmed. So, um, there's just a million things going on in this game. 
and I, I really, really like it. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a beast. It's, it's your, your, your brain is going to be burning through this one. Um, so this one's a, a little bit harder to build and definitely more challenging to, to play just because there's a lot of rules to digest. Like this feels like a much more, um, developed larger scale game, like almost something that, it, it's bigger than the States of Siege series games, for instance, um, but very, very well done, very, very well thought through. Um, it, it it's it's a lot of fun, but it's it's a challenging game for sure. Hmm, okay, it looks cool. Yeah, I I I, I really really like this one. The artwork in it is phenomenal, but there's also a low ink version if you don't want to uh, to drain your your printer ink. But I recommend the the full ink version just because it looks so nice. I think it's very, very thematic. Mm-hmm. I wish this game got published. Yeah, you know, and I, I think there's several games in the contest. I mean, I always look at games in the contest, and I think these are better than some solo games that I have paid money for. <laughs> <laughs> and I I wish that more of them would get picked up. Um, and, and this one, I think, certainly would be a good fit for... Uh, for, for publishers that are looking for games, um, you know, looking to get into more solitaire worker placement, um, you know, and, and I think it would be easier for people to be able to just buy the game rather than have to cut out all the counters and the cards themselves. Um, if you're not into print and play, I can see how buying this game and, and many of the other games from the contest would be a very attractive option for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's worth paying somebody else to do it, basically. Mm-hmm. It seems that way. And, you know, it, it's a shame because some of these games are really neat, probably. And, and putting games together can be fun. I mean, that in itself can be a creative process. It could be really rewarding. But it could require time to do that. For me, like, when I first got into print-and-play games, like, I, I think I printed Zombie in my pocket. That was my first one. And, you know, there was just kind of a chore of, like, cutting out the pieces. But, like, as I got more into it, I kind of found building the game, it was just a nice time for me. You know, I could go be by myself, put on my music, uh, which is hard for me to do sometimes because everyone in my family hates my music. (laughs) (laughs) But I could go and have this little private time and just relax. Like, I'd, I'd pull out my my straight edge and my and my exacto blade and and glue pieces to cardboard and make things really really nice um as i worked through these you know and i i think i've gotten a little faster as i've gone but it's it's a, a nice time for me but i really i understand that it's not for everybody i think it's really nice for me and i know there's people on bgg that enjoy it even more than i do and make things that look way nicer than i can make but I understand mm-hmm. that this isn't for everybody. So a game like Photon Galactic Traders, it's a really awesome game. And, and, and there's many other games in the contest that I could say the same thing about that I think are just going to have a smaller audience just because print and play is such a small part of the board gaming community overall. Yep. That's a shame. Yep. I remember when I used to have to commute coming home from work, I had a copy of... um. Ice House Pyramids, a paper a paper version that you could buy. Oh, yeah. And I'd come home from work and, you know, deal with all this traffic. I'd get home, I'd be all stressed out, and I'd sit down and I'd put a few of the pieces together and glue them and, 
you know, 15 minutes of just doing a couple of these, I feel so much better. <laughs> it was such a relaxing thing. Yeah. And although where it gets um, where it gets frustrating is if I'm doing like a counter sheet or something and I screw mm-hmm. up and I have to reprint something or <laughs> or have a counter with a big gash through it. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. Cut something the wrong way. And just oh, now you got to start over. Yeah. And it, it's frustrating. But, you know, I've learned to be very, very careful as I go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Measure twice, cut once. <laughs> Oh, neat. All right. Are there any other print-and-play games you want to talk about? Uh, or are we talked out on the subject? Yeah, I don't know. People listening to this are probably pretty sick of <laughs> I have a big stack of print-and-play games. Like I, I've been gone for a few weeks just because of some things in real life. Um, but I, I am trying to, to get back and record the segment where I, I talk about an individual print-and-play game. I've got... Um, Odin Quest by Todd Sanders, which is really, really good. I'd like to talk about that. I've got, um, there's a new game on Koba, Koba, Kobayashi Maru. Is that right? That from the Star Trek series or Captain Kirk ch- cheated on oh, that test. I remember something about the, yes. So someone just released a solitaire game on that. It looks pretty cool. So, um, I, I've got a lot of games to talk about. I just, you know, I was unable to record for a little while. So I want to get back into it. So, there's other games from the contest here that I'd like to come back and revisit after I've been able to play them some more. Um, mm-hmm. I, Cause there's a ton of games uh, like there's one called Nuki, Nuki McPooch and the zombie mutant presidents <laughs> where it's set in this world where the U S has decided, wow. Or, you know, the, the, the election that, you know, this crazy election was so crazy and messed up that we need to resurrect our, all of our previous presidents so they can set the country straight again. <laughs> so they, they do whatever they do to bring the presidents back to life, but without realizing that they've turned them into zombies. So you have George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and, you know, Kennedy and whoever like trying to eat everybody. Um, so this punk rocker with his dog, Nuki McPooch have to go <laughs> take on all the zombie presidents i mean it's a ridiculous theme and i've it's original it's original yeah there's i I can only think of three or four other games with that same theme um um, and it's one that i've i've played through a little i've read the rules and you know i tried to, to set up a scenario and play a little bit so i could vote in the contest but I haven't really dug into it to the point that I'd feel comfortable talking about it, but it's one that I'd love to come back and revisit later on. And then speaking of the election, there was another game in the contest called GOP nominee um, by Michael uh, Bavalacqua. Hopefully I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that right. Where you are playing, you, you choose one of the four for the, from the U S Republican um, primaries in 2016 of Donald Trump, um, John Kasich, Marco Rubio, or um, I don't even um, who who's the the guy that almost w- was going to win. I don't remember Ted, Ted Cruz. Yeah. So you, you can yeah. choose one of those four, which I think is interesting. Like it was made 
when when the Republican primary started, I remember everyone thought like Jeb Bush was just going to walk away with it. And that mm-hmm. when when they made this game of the top four, you know, Jeb Bush wasn't even considered. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that game uh, was released in the contest, and and it looks like a very very good game. I haven't really gotten into it partially because. I haven't wanted to relive the Republican primaries yet. It's like playing a game about the Titanic the day after it sinks. You know, it's just too soon. I can't do it yet. Um, yeah. But it looks. I, I don't know what's going to happen with this uh, election, but th- this is going to be a memorable whole election process. There, so there's so many <laughs> games. Like I have from Victory Point Games, like the 2012 Swing States, Swing States 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's there's a couple other election games and some print and play election yeah. games, all based on the 2012 election. And man, I can't wait to see what kind of stuff comes out because I don't know how in the world you replicate this election in in like a game form, but it will be interesting to see what people come up yeah. with. <laughs> so I'm sure there's going to be more stuff released, but this GOP nominee that might be one of the first games I've seen on the 2016 election so far. But yeah, in that game, you're trying to secure the uh, the Republican nomination. Okay, that's neat. So yeah, there's there's tons of stuff to talk about coming up, but um, a lot of it I need to. I, I just know I want to play and be able to talk about in a little bit, you know, with with more understanding. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. But there's 47 games, 49 games entered this year. Wow, 40, that many. 46. But still, that's that's a lot. Yeah, that is a huge number. I played as many as I could. I read the rules to as many as I could. But you know, even hosting the contest and trying to be super involved, and part of it was you know because of some changes going on in in, in real world and and that ate up a lot of time. But I didn't even read the rules to every game in the contest, so I still have a lot of catching up to do. Um, and now. Now that the contest is done, like all of these games started out as just a, a thread in the board game geek design designer forums. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think 27 or 28 of them have their own page on board game geek. And there will probably be more as people keep working on them, but um, that will, th- there'll be a lot to, uh, you know, get through just, just if I only focused on those 28 games that have been added to board game geek, that's still a ton of games. Yeah, that is a huge number. One game this year, uh, was called the Sudoku killer by Andrew Hagen. And he tried to add it to board game geek, but they turned him down because it's, it's only designed to be played once. So you're, you're, you're trying to solve a mystery, a murder mystery. And the, there, there's clues being left for you in the form of Sudoku puzzles. So it's kind of like this oh, story built around a series of Sudoku style puzzles. Very, very creative idea, but board game geek ruled. You can only play this once. This is a puzzle. This isn't the game. So they didn't let it into the database, but it's one like it. It's so creative. So such a cool idea. If you like Sudoku at all, um, you could find this thread on the, on the contest, give the game a play, you know, and you know, you're, 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 there's not much to print. It's just Sudoku puzzles and kind of the story that you read through as you play, um, and try to solve the mystery. And, um, you know, like I say, once you've played it, you're done, but it's, 
you know, if you're into that kind of thing, if you're into that puzzle solving, especially with a story element, which is very, very cool, mm-hmm. that one's worth picking up. But it's you're not going to find it on on Board Game Geek just because they they decided not to not to allow it because of its nature. Yeah, I understand. It's a shame, but I mean, it sort of makes sense. Yeah, and, but you know, and they they I, that that rule does make sense. They don't allow puzzles. You know, you you wouldn't want people making game entries for individual Sudoku puzzles or something like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because this game has a defined solution, it it wasn't considered, a, you know, a board game um, by by the definition of something that you can play more than once with a different result. Mm-hmm. But still, a super cool idea, like and easy to print. There's nothing to cut. There's nothing, nothing to assemble. You just print it. You've got your Sudoku, Sudoku puzzles, and then you've got your your story um, that gets printed out. I, th- I think it was kind of long. It's it's twenty pages or something, but it's just black and white text. Oh. And you work your way through this story, and it was really fun. It's very cool. Okay. Very neat. Yeah, I think we, we've talked about, what, seven or eight games from the contest here, so that's probably pretty good for today. Yeah, that's a lot. And that's apologies lot. To, to other designers. I mean, I, I would love to to get more involved with everybody's game and talk about it in more detail. Um, it's just it's an awful lot to get through. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, just hang in there, guys. We just got another 20 games to talk, and we'll be done with the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we we could make this into a ten hour episode. <laughs> oh boy, no nighter! I'm falling asleep already because it's late. <laughs> uh, I did want to talk a little bit about a couple games, um, non print and play games. Um, usually at the beginning of the show we talk about the stuff we've been playing, and we didn't this time. But I did want to mention a couple that I thought were neat. Um, someone brought back um two games for me from Essen. From Blue Orange Games, these are basically solitaire or choose your own adventure style books, and they're published by Blue Orange. I said, and I think it's called "Be the Hero" is the name of the series. Um, what's neat about these is that they're actually comic books, so they're choose your own adventure comic books, and you flip through it and you read the comic and look at the pictures, and then you'll get to a page, and in the picture there's numbers telling you which way to go, and you keep flipping back and forth, and they're actually pretty fun. Um. Worth checking out. One of them is called Captive. It is. It's pretty dark, actually. I, it, you know, it's not something I'd let my kids read. It, it's much too grim for that. Um, but it's interesting. Sometimes, a lot of times, the numbers are in the picture, and it's really obvious. You know, your choices. Sometimes you you may find a really small hidden number somewhere that you would miss if you weren't spending a lot of time looking at it. And and as you play through it, and you know, it builds a story and stuff goes along and. And the other one is called um, Nights. And in it, so the first one is very dark. The art, it kind of reminded me of, have you seen a comic book called um, Lock and Key? No, I don't know that one. Okay. Um, it reminded me of that. I don't know if it was because of the theme or because of the art, but that that it's pretty realistic art, I guess I'd say. Dark, but, you know, sort of realistic. The Nights is more of a cartoony style, more of a kid style art. And in this one, you play one of three brothers who decided they're tired of living on the farm. And they're going to go become knights. So they go to the town to try out to become a knight. And to become a knight, you have to go on quests and find some bracelets of bravery, they're called. And by the time you reach the end of the game, which is playing for five nights, five days of gaming, 
um, you go back to town and see if you won based on how many bracelets you found. And again, very fun. Lots, the, the biggest drawback is lots of page turning in these, mm-hmm. um, especially that night's one. Um, because in this one, you're sort of traveling. They'll say, go to go to 75. You go to 75, and there'll be a picture. Um, you start looking in the picture, seeing if you find any of these bracelets hidden or anything else hidden. And then it says, now go to page 210. You go to 210, same thing. Go to another page. And then finally, you'll get a choice. So there's a lot of flipping without choices. Hmm. Um and because, you know, if it was a choose-your-own-adventure book with text, that wouldn't matter so much because you can spend more time on each page. But because it's just images, it's just a lot of fast flipping. Now, with the images, does it make it harder? I, I remember with choose-your-own-adventure, you know, you go to page 75 and you ignore what's on 74 in case you come mm-hmm. to it later. Is it harder with the pictures to avoid spoilers? Yeah, there's a lot of sections I have not been to, but the, the pictures look neat. It's, oh, I can't wait to go there. Or, or I think once or twice, I kind of had a feeling that if I went some direction, some certain thing was going to happen because I'd seen pictures that kind of hinted that that was in that part of the world. Though I wasn't really sure. Um, but there's there's probably I think about four hundred scenes in that night's book. So there's quite a few. Okay. Um, you're not going to see them all. It's going to take a few plays to go through the whole book. And a few times, you know, I've made a choice, and afterwards I realized I made the wrong choice, and I'm going to want to go play again and try it the other choice um, see what happens. So I'll be revisiting things I've done. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a neat book. And the other one I've played once. It's pretty dark. I, I want to go back to it because it's interesting, but I, I don't know. I think I'd rather play in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> Not so grim. And I, um, mm-hmm. I've been playing um, a, a lot. I, I've been doing some play testing for Herman Lutman recently for a new game of his called Dead Reckoning. Um, and it's mm-hmm. a two-player game, but I've been playing it solo, playing both sides. Um, and then my daughter has really gotten into Stratego recently, and I've been playing uh, a lot of Stratego and its variations like... Uh, Stratego Waterloo and Stratego Conquest and Stratego the card game. Like she's kind of got the rules to Stratego down so we can try out these different variations and I can teach her just a few rule changes. So um, my solo gaming has really been focused on the contest recently, but my other gaming has been uh, some, some of these two player, you know, light war games. Uh, Dead Reckoning is a, a zombie war game where you're trying to protect civilians. You're a military unit trying to move civilians across the board to safety, and then the other players, zombies, and they can kind of move and make attacks, and you, you can shoot them and um, you know, try to try to survive them. So you've got big guns, but they've got thousands of units. So, um, but I've been I've been playing a lot of that kind of stuff recently. Okay, that sounds neat. I've also played, um, I finally got a tablet, and so I tried the Descent app today. I tried it yesterday with my son, we played a little bit, and then it was getting kind of late, he was tired, so so we stopped for the night, put it away, and I tried it again today solo. And that was neat, I'm looking forward to playing more of that. It took a long time, I think it was probably two and a half or three hours playing the introductory scenario. And you know, some of that time was obviously because I'm learning, but... I'm surprised how long it was anyway, so I wonder if it's just going to be for me a really slow game. So is the app, is this a Descent 
the the, the full game on, on, in tablet yes. form. Okay. No, no, no. What it is, it's um, you 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 have the board game, and then the tablet, the app, just uh, controls the AI. Because the normal descent game, there's a, a game master versus the players. Um, and the game master will control the monsters and do different surprises and things like that here and there. Um, and also he knows what the map looks like ahead of time. So the app takes care of drawing the map. You don't see what's going to come up because until it needs, until you see it, it won't put it on the screen for you. Okay. So like, for example, in the first room, there's a door and you, so you only see the tile you're in when you go and open the door and that shows you what's behind it. So as you make moves on the board game, you've got to go to the tablet and say, I just made such and such a move. No. It, so it does leave a lot to the player to control himself. Um, all you say in the tablet is this character finishes action. And then in, in the game, actions alternate between players and monsters. So every time you say some players finishes action, then the monsters go. And then you do your actions for another player. On the board, you don't even tell it where on the board you are. You just say, I took my actions. The only time you have to tell it the character's state is when um, one of the heroes dies or when a monster group dies. Other than that, you know, you're doing it all by dice. Okay. And yeah, it's been a, doing it offline. I've played, the, mm-hmm. I've played Descent, but it's been a few years ago, so I'm trying to remember all those nuances. Okay. Uh, another thing that's neat is as you, if you have more, than, more expansions than just the base game, if you have any expansions, you mark it in the app. And it may use stuff from your expansions. Like, it may, it may throw in a random monster from it. The I played the introductory scenario, so it was pretty scripted for the first few monsters. The last ones, it said, you know, we've picked one from your collection. Mm-hmm. So it may or may not be from the base set. Nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, we had... And, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, since because it's it's the app is controlling the story, you also don't know what's going to happen, so... So it could have surprises in there, like, you know, you may think you need to do something, you go kill a monster, and then you find out, oh, that really wasn't the end. Some other stuff happens. So so it's pretty neat. It could manage the story pretty well. Mm. And then it could do a campaign game also, because when you finish, you then go onto the map and pick where you go to next. So can you play the game Solitaire with that app? Uh, Controlling multiple heroes. I don't think you really want to do one. You may be able to do one, but I didn't try that. I have a feeling it's two or more, um, which is what the normal solitaire game would. Or the no, it doesn't have a solitaire mode. You at least play two characters, and even when you're playing two characters, the rules are tweaked so that two people could play it, or two heroes. Okay, we had a uh, descent, and we had Doom, which was very similar. Mm-hmm. And my brother-in-law that we were playing games with, he liked Doom better, so I, I think. I think we might have sold Descent. Uh, I think he had it and it got sold. So uh, we, we we focused on Doom, but I remember the rules were pretty similar between them. Mm, okay. I haven't played that at all. So and that's about all I've been playing. I just haven't had time to game either lately. Work has been so busy. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Um, I guess we're done. Oh, wait. No. No, we're missing something. Yeah, and we, we we talked about a lot of games today. I don't know which one is missing something, but uh, <laughs> one of them is missing something. <laughs> well, what what is the main game we talked about? It's a solo system. Yeah, probably the solo system. 
Mm-hmm. The, so- the solar system has decks to control strategy and tactics and personality, but I, th- <laughs> I think it could use something else. <laughs> De- definitely. Let's see. Um, so first we need to see what was last week's game missing. Umbrellas on, oh, yes. on llamas or something? <laughs> <laughs> Umbrellas and silver hawks. Profile contributions. So I made this post just three or four days ago. Guild forums, threads. What's it missing? So, silver hawks or umbrellas? And, and to help Julius, I added a picture for umbrellas. And it is a picture of the the uh, Nazgul holding umbrellas in the rain. <laughs> It looks like it's a photograph from the movie. And since it's the Lord of the Rings game, I said, oh, this is perfect. Let's see, we had 35 votes. Oh, yes, and the obvious winner here is the Umbrellas. 22 votes versus 13 for Silver Hawks. You were, you were Umbrellas, right? No, no, I was Silver Hawks. Okay, okay. So, so I think, yep, you know, the picture helped again. Because obviously I had a better argument. <laughs> <laughs> you make sure that I get a picture this week. Let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I could do that. So the first word is the third one on the list, which is actually pencils. Mo submitted pencils. And the second word is, which is from Robert, and this is one of the new words, moose. The game needs more pencils or moose, mooses. That is an interesting bunch of arguments to make. <laughs> <laughs> which which would you like? I'll let you choose. I guess I'll go with pencils. Okay. And you've got a timer, and I think it's 20 seconds. Do, do you have the timer, or do you want me to pull one up? I've, I've got one up now. Okay, great. I'll let you do it. Just tell me when you're ready. Start as soon as you're ready, and I'll start the timer. Okay. So the solo system has a lot of great things going for it, but what it really needs is pencils, specifically pencils that you can write in your own moves that will help you win the game, um, be able to uh, correct those things that make it harder for you to win and make it so you can just cheat your way to victory with by writing it in with a pencil. <laughs> cheat you. So, so it sounds like a, a legacy solo system. It's a legacy solo system. <laughs> that card did not work for me. I'm going to pencil in something better. <laughs> all right and my word what was it i said uh a moose moose mooses oh boy i was just in yellowstone park maybe i should have taken moose <laughs> <laughs> although seeing a moose doesn't mean you can think of why it should be in the game <laughs> <laughs> okay well i'm gonna start i got my timer so here it goes. So this game needs more mooses. Uh, really, the solo system, really what it is, it's not a game. Remember, it's here to help you play other games. And what better than when you need an opponent than to play against the moose? I mean, they're not the best of opponents, but they are pretty big, actually, if you've ever seen a moose. And that's intimidating. And also, they would do a lot of unexpected moves, such as, I don't know, eat the board. Knock the table over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. So I think there we, there we go. That, that's our argument. And you get a con argument. 
five seconds if you wanted. All right. Your rebuttal. Uh, so having played against a moose, I know that they just make a mess everywhere. A pencil is nice and clean. It's got an eraser. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you, you have played against the moose? <laughs> you didn't say this had to be based in fact, did you? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Okay, so so there we go, listeners. Uh, I'll put up a poll in a few days. Usually after I hear the podcast, I go back and then add the poll, and you'll get to decide if the game needs more pencils or more mooses. Is the plural mooses or moose or moose eye? Plural, I think, is just moose. It's the singular okay. and the plural. Oh, so so we don't know if uh, Robert submitted one or more mooses. Moose. Yeah, yeah. Are, are we playing against one moose or many moose? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. All right. And I guess that is an episode. So, so thank you for coming on again, as always. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's always my pleasure to be here. All right. Until the next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye, listeners.